Good morning and welcome to The Trough for Tuesday the 22nd of February. A daily bite-sized wrap of all the political stories you need to know this morning. Today, Scott Morrison arcs up over the appointment of Anna Bly to the Australian Bankers Association, oil and gas companies being targeted in the May budget, and a proposal to introduce four-year fixed terms for federal politicians. Today, the Treasurer Scott Morrison appears to be pretty upset that the former Labor Premier Anna Bly is now head of the Australian Bankers Association. This comes at a time where the government has been copying constant flack over its support for the banking sector, both from Labor and within its own ranks. From the ABA's point of view, having a former Labor Premier could potentially blunt the attacks from the federal opposition who want a royal commission. But to some in the coalition, this looks like a betrayal. Zeta Selder on Sky yesterday said the banks were trying to appease those trying to destroy the sector. And according to the Financial Review, Mr Morrison has told the banks he will not be dealing with Ms Bly. They will have to deal with him personally. And to cap it off, Scott Morrison's communications director, Sasha Grebe, had applied for the job that Anna Bly got and then had to resign just three months out from the May budget. David Crow in The Australian Today has described this dispute, though as petty and the sort of hyper-partisan combat that voters despise. And in the meantime, there's still a threat of a commission of inquiry into the banking sector being set up by the Greens. The minor party and the federal opposition just need two votes from the coalition and lower house to get this through. One could be George Christensen. And Warren Etch was previously a supporter of a royal commission. He now thinks an independent tribunal for victims of bad financial advice is a better alternative. He told the ABC yesterday Mr Christensen should reconsider supporting this and he's accused him of grandstanding instead of listening to the concerns of his constituents. Some coalition MPs suggested that excluding the banks from the corporate tax cuts was one way of both saving money in the budget and sending a message about Anna Bly. But another suggestion has been floated three months out from budget night, the generous tax deductions enjoyed by oil and gas companies. Andrew Probin on 7.30 says the tax treatments of LNG projects could be under the spotlight. The government received around $800 million from the petroleum resource rent tax, but in return, oil and gas companies can also deduct their exploration costs index at the long-term bond rate of 15%. Now, there's no indication about how much money this could actually save the federal government, but expect a fight from the industry over this. Speaking of the budget, and there may be some movement on the child care and welfare omnibus package that the federal government introduced earlier this month. The AFR reports the Nick Xenophon team and the coalition are close to some sort of an agreement to split the bill and negotiate measure by measure, and that some agreement could be reached on 16 individual cuts that have been put in the package. But expect this to be a laborious process. The federal opposition and the Greens don't want to play ball at this stage. A poll in The Guardian this morning suggests that the majority of voters support Labor's goal of sourcing 50% of Australia's energy from renewable sources by 2030. This is despite a concerted bid by the federal government in the past few weeks against that plan, suggesting it could drive up power costs. The essential poll suggests 65% of voters support the 50% target. 71% say the federal government isn't doing enough to ensure there's affordable, reliable and clean energy. And 45% of those surveyed oppose building new coal-fired power stations. 31% of Australians are in favour. The Prime Minister is back from Western Australia but may have inadvertently reignited debate about the GST. 
WA, which goes to the poll in just under three weeks' time, has been agitating to implement a flaw in the amount of GST revenue returned to the state. This is because the state's share of that revenue dropped sharply in recent years to as low as 30 cents in the dollar. Now, Malcolm Turnbull got a standing ovation just six months ago at the Liberal State Conference when he announced a limit would be set on how much GST revenue dropped. But he conceded yesterday that WA would have to wait until its share increased to 70 cents in the dollar before implementing that. And that might not happen until around 2020. Now, at best, the Prime Minister appears vague on this issue at a time where the Liberal Premier Colin Barnett is campaigning to hold on to power. Q&A on the ABC last night featured George Brandis, the Attorney General and the Deputy Opposition Leader Tanya Plibersek, and there was the predictable sparring over Centrelink. Senator Brandis said it was possible for those who received the debt notice to simply call up Centrelink to get the issues sorted out, and this did cause some amusement within the audience. Tanya Plibersek pointing out the there are significant waiting periods for those on the phone to the organisation. The Senator pointed out that the data matching was introduced when Plibersek was the Human Services Minister in 2011, who then replied, I didn't stuff it up the way you stuffed it up. And yeah, that pretty much set the tone for the whole night for the program. Matthew Knott from the Sydney Morning Herald has pointed out something interesting of the Australia post-pay saga. He says it was the former Abbott government that allowed Australian government entities such as Australia Post to keep executive salaries under wraps. The rules in 2015 changed the minimum requirements for the disclosure of senior executive pay packets, and that's something a few organisations have taken advantage of, including the ABC, SBS and the CSIRO. Now, a spokeswoman for the Finance Minister, Matthias Cormann, denied the changes in 2015 prevented companies from reporting executive salaries. We've also got a reminder in Fairfax this morning about the brewing battle over penalty rates. A poll by Reachtel, commissioned by the Hospitality Industry Union United Voice, has suggested that there could be pressure on the coalition's five marginal seats in New South Wales if penalty rates on Sunday are cut. The Fair Work Commission has been looking at this issue for over a year now, and we were expecting something during the federal election campaign, but it's being pushed back for months. We are tipping, though, there will be a decision by the end of the month, and both sides of the debate are preparing for a drawn-out debate on this issue, especially if the Commission agrees to cut rates on Sunday. There's an interesting idea from a Liberal MP who has suggested fixed four-year terms for federal parliament. David Coleman has penned an opinion piece in Fairfax. He suggests governments could get more done and it could reduce the impact of short-term political drama. He's argued it could help with business confidence and he reckons a referendum could deal with this at the next election due in 2019. Now, this idea would still allow for double dissolutions. He's talked to people like uh, Anne Toomey, for instance. Importantly, this has support from within the coalition and Labor on this. Whether it gets off the ground, though, is going to be another matter. But this is something to watch out for as well. And briefly making political news this morning, the SMH has seized on comments by a parliamentary secretary who said that the first step to owning a home is to, quote, get a highly paid job, unquote. Liberal MP Michael Suker made the comments on Sky, echoing Joe Hockey, the former treasurer, suggesting that the corporate tax cuts could help younger people find work and therefore own their own home. One Nation Party Queensland leader Steve Dixon says they will not cooperate with the coalition if it wins power in the Queensland state election unless they get a seat in the ministry. That's something that the opposition leader Tim Nichols has ruled out. In the meantime, in New South Wales, One Nation Senator Brian Burston says he's confident of securing four seats in the state's upper house and is eyeing off two seats in the Hunter region in the lower house. 
And the Daily Telegraph reports the globe-trotting former MP White Roy has a new job. He's now working with the artificial intelligence firm Affinity. Today, the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has an interview with Bloomberg TV at 9.15am Canberra time. Beforehand, he's addressing the Australia-Canada Economic Leadership Forum in Sydney. Bill Shorten's got nothing planned at this stage. Dooley Bishop is off to the US. She visited the DMZ in South Korea. She's going to be meeting with the US Vice President Mike Pence and the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. There's a public hearing into the impact of climate change on marine fisheries and biodiversity in Hobart. There's also an inquiry into migrant settlement services and a hearing into the commercial use of bumblebees in Tasmania. Another cool start for Canberra today, but it should be sunny and fine at a top of 27 degrees. I'm Francis Keeney, and thanks again for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes as well as tune in at a bunch of other apps on your phone. Details are on the website at thetrough.com.au. You can also listen to this on SoundCloud, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.